Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. called I Am Jesus, and uh, I love doing a marriage series, which is what we just wrapped up last week, because I love spending time on our relationships, and the series we just wrapped up was called Fixing Us, and so if your marriage or your, your relationships are in trouble, I encourage you to go back and listen to the three weeks of messages. They will be a blessing to you, and as much as I love the marriage series, my favorite thing as a pastor and as a communicator to talk about is Jesus. And so we've got the next few weeks where I just get to talk about Jesus. I am lit up. I am on fire to talk about him because he's a dear friend of mine. He's made such an incredible impact in my life. And so I get to spend the next few weeks talking about him. And the series is based around the seven things that Jesus said about himself. He said, I am this. He said seven different things in the book of John. And uh, today we're going to focus on the statement he made from the book of John, chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is called the good shepherd because he is, he is the answer or he is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God. The good news is that Jesus laid down his life for us. He died. He paid a penalty that we could not pay so that we could become what we in the church world called saved or redeemed, forgiven, made brand new. Jesus paid that price. And so the gospel is the good news, and since he's the one responsible for all that, he's the good shepherd. Now, the fact that we call him the good shepherd means that there are other shepherds in this world who are not good. There are other people in this world who intend to harm you, that intend to bring evil on you instead of good, or in other words, intend to hurt the sheep, right? Jesus even calls this out in verse 1 of that same chapter. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. What you need to know today is that there is an enemy of your soul, of your very life, and he hates you, not necessarily because you've done something to irritate him, but because God loves you so much. In fact, the the love that God has for you is described in John 3, 16. He says, God so loved the world that he gave his son. He loves you, and so the enemy is totally against everything that God values, and that's all of creation, this world. And his personal mission, the devil's personal mission, Satan's mission, is to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus Jesus even said so in John 10, 10, he said, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. I don't know if you're just here checking out the claims of Jesus, and you're somebody who doesn't know what you believe in. You're not really sure. You just, I'm just here to check out what you guys are talking about. That's cool. If you're a brand new Christian or if maybe you've been a Christ follower for a long time, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey, you can agree that there is some evil afoot in this world. I mean, look at the decisions that teenagers are making on a regular basis to do with their lives. Look at the way they're throwing their whole life and their futures away. Kids making decisions to walk into a school and shoot up a bunch of kids and teachers. Why? Because there's evil in this world that is influencing and impacting their lives. Look at the decisions we make. Look at, look, look at the level of divorce that is across the church and is across the world, the way we dispose of our relationships. Look at, look at the selfishness and the wars that are running rampant all around us. 
There, no matter you, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can at least agree there is some evil in this world. There is some power that is at work in this world. So Jesus describes the, the thief's purpose, but he says, my purpose, in that same verse, in John 10, 10, he says, my purpose is to give them, who? The sheep. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Man, that's good news. That's good news because that's Jesus' purpose as the good shepherd to make sure that we have a life that is full. Uh, another translation says that even. Life to the fullest is what he wanted. And I know, I know we all want that for ourselves. So here's the, here's the question. If Jesus is the shepherd, who are the sheep? We are. That's right. We are. In fact, in the Bible, sheep are mentioned around 200 times. More than any other animal in all of the Bible, the sheep are talked about. Dogs are mentioned about 44 times. Do you know what's not mentioned in the Bible? Cats. Yeah. Cats are not mentioned in the Bible, okay? Now, unless you consider lions to be a cat, and if you consider a lion to be a cat, what you need to know is what the Bible says about lions is that the devil roams around like a lion looking for whom he may devour. So you're seeing a very biblical connection between the evil incarnate that is cats, if you're making that connection. So while I love to pet them and love the way they purr, you know that they are pure evil. It's truth. Some of you cat lovers need to just chill out, okay? It's all right. Don't get your feelings hurt about that. I will have plenty, you have plenty of opportunity for me to offend you the rest of the service, okay? Just hang on. But some of you say, know a bit about sheep, and when I say that we are the sheep, that's kind of offensive to you, and here's why. Because sheep are the stupidest creatures on the face of this earth. But the, yet the Bible calls us sheep. Because it's true, really. Have you ever seen a trained sheep? Have you ever gone to the circus and they said, watch this as they jump, this, this sheep jumps through hoops of fire. No, because a sheep cannot be trained. Well, that's not true. You can train a sheep to play dead, but he only does that trick once, and it's because you got to shoot him. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Only once. Sheep are stupid. You, you simply can't train them. And the Bible calls us sheep, so I have to tell you with all the love of Jesus that is in my heart, you're stupid, and so am I. And so am I. We are. And here, here's, here's reasons why I say that. Don't get offended. Just, just walk with me here, okay? There are four challenges of being a sheep. The, the first one is, is that sheep, they get lost really easily. Some of you know somebody who can just get lost walking down their driveway, right? If, if they're here, don't point. Like, you know, that's fine. But, but, but Isaiah describes us and says, all of us are just like sheep who have gone astray. We've each one of us turned to our own way. Sheep have a tendency to wander off from the shepherd, from the fold. They have a tendency to just get to eating grass, and they just kind of follow that trail. They want to fill their bellies, or there's some water over here, or maybe they're just following after some other sheep that have kind of wandered away. They lose sight of where they ought to be. They get lost really easy. They don't make the best decisions for themselves. I'd say that's kind of us, right? We're wandering through this life trying to figure out how do we live it out and how do, we, how do we figure out everything that we need to do? But we keep making bad decisions. It doesn't get any better than that today, guys. Because what happens is that sheep without a shepherd, we have a tendency to get lost. The second challenge of being a sheep is that we're defenseless. We are defenseless. That's what sheep are. The, the, every other animal in the world has some, fort of def, some form of defense, right? Right? Like, there's some that have fangs. 
There's others that have claws. There's some that have wings so that they can flee a situation. There's others that are able to disguise themselves and keep themselves from becoming the, the prey. Right? They, they defend themselves. But a sheep, what do they have? They've got nothing. If you, if you went to attack a sheep, all he's got is back off. You know what I mean? And I love you people that laughed the second time at that. They, they've got nothing to defend themselves. And I would say that, that we're just like that. Like on our own, aside from the body of Christ, meaning within each other, aside from the armor of God, which he provides through his spirit, aside from his blessing, without the protection of a good shepherd, we are vulnerable to the lies of this world. We get caught up in the cares of this world. We begin to think that certain things are important when they're not. We are susceptible to the lies of the enemy. And so when we buy into those lies, we begin to follow a certain path. We begin to walk away from the foe. And what happens is it leads to death and destruction. You say, well, Aaron, I'm, I'm wandering far from the fold right now, and I'm not dead. Well, your relationships are likely dying. Your finances are likely dying. Your, your death and destruction happens on the inside just as much as it does on the outside when we walk away. The third thing that is, is challenging about being a sheep is the sheep are very stubborn. We're really stubborn. Nudge somebody next to you and say, he's talking about you. You're stubborn. There's a bunch of you sitting there with your arms crossed. You said, I'm not doing it. You know why? Because you're stubborn. You don't even want to nudge somebody. I just told you to nudge somebody, and you're just sitting there looking at me. We're stubborn, right? We are. And every single one of you did, that didn't said, yeah, I'm stubborn. That's it. I didn't nudge anybody. You know that a, a sheep is so stubborn that if two of them are walking side by side, and they would try to get through a crevice or a crack of rocks... That if they, got, they walked side by side and that space was too small, they would get lodged into that crack together. And there's no such thing as a backup. They don't, they don't go in reverse. You never hear the boop, boop, boop. Let's back this thing up. No, what sheep do is they push forward because they're stubborn. And what happens is they push forward is they just get more stuck. Some of you know some people like that. Don't point. If they're in this room, don't point at them. But you know that. They, their story is the same old one. Well, I just don't understand why all these bad guys keep coming after me and why I just date all the bad ones. Well, maybe you're fishing with the wrong bait. It's possible that it's you and not them. Or, or you know people that are like, man, I just can't pay my bills. I can't pay my rent. I don't have money for groceries. And yet they've got an iPhone and they've got cable TV and they got fancy cars and they got all the nicest clothes. And it's like, you know, you may actually have a priority disorder. Maybe you need to cancel your cable TV. And they're like, what? No cable? What am I supposed to do? Well, would you like to eat or do you just want to watch TV? You can binge on food or you can binge on Netflix. You can't do both if you've got a money problem. You know what I mean? You, you can't. We know people, they're stubborn. We're, we're, we're stubborn. It's like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that I'm having this conversation right now. The fourth challenge, some of you guys, none of you guys are going to like me by the end of this day. I can just tell you. <laughs> the, fourth thing, the fourth challenge about being a sheep is that they're filthy. Sheep do not have the ability nor the desire to clean themselves. Well, they, they, they just won't. They will not clean themselves. You say, but Aaron, every, every sheep that I see on TV or that I encounter is like the little fluffy sheep in the Surda commercials. They're all white and beautiful and nice. But the truth is, is that every live animal that you see in the county fair or sheep that you see in the county fair, they have been like power washed, like legit, because they are filthy animals. And some of you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a filthy animal. I'm not, I'm not filthy. I'm not dirty. 
well, I would ask you, why do you think that? Why do you believe that about yourself? You say, well, because I'm a good person. I know somebody who lives way worse than I do. I know somebody who does things way worse than I do, and they're bad. I'm, I'm good. But the problem is, is you're using the wrong comparison. See, when we compare ourselves to each other, we can believe that we are good. I was in here doing some painting uh, a week ago or so. We moved this door, and it was just a big white spot right there. And so we went to buy the paint, and I pulled out the records from when we first painted here, and I pulled out the swatches, the paint swatches, you know. And on there was written a note that said, get this paint right here for the auditorium. I said, well, that's good enough for me. So I took that paint, and we went to the store, and we bought it. I got it here, and I started putting it on, and, and Derek, our creative director, looks at it, and he says, but I, I think this is the wrong paint. I was like, nope, I've got the swatch right here. It says, get this paint for the auditorium with a little note and an arrow pointed to that color. That's the one we bought. He said, but it's going on really dark. And I said, it'll lighten up as it dries. He said, paint doesn't do that. It gets darker as it dries. Well, maybe this paint is different. Like, I'm arguing with him. And so we did a big spot over here, and we did a spot back there, and I'm going around this whole building just kind of touching stuff up. And it's drying, and it's getting darker. I had made the wrong comparison. I went back to the records, and I found that we had initially decided on a color for this room. Then we went to the paint store and found another color that we liked. And I had that swatch in the records as well, but had forgotten to remove the old one that said, get this paint for the auditorium. Because I'm a sheep. I'm stupid. And so we went back to the store and bought the right paint, and Derek was kind enough to cover up those spots for me. The point is, is when you're comparing the wrong things, you'll make the wrong decisions. You'll spend time, you'll spend energy, you'll spend resources on the wrong stuff. The Bible tells us that we're not to compare to each other. The real comparison is between us and God. Oh, well, no, that's a different story. The Bible says that everything that you and I can do, our best to do good things, our best righteousness is what it calls it, is nothing but filthy rags. You know what you do with filthy rags? You burn them, you throw them away, you flush them down the toilet. That's what filthy rags, that's what you do with them. The best we can do is equivalent to that. And God says that we are, we are filthy in comparison to him because he is pure and holy and just and right. It says in Romans that all of us have fallen short of God. So when you do the right comparison, none of us are good. All of us are like sheep, we are we're filthy. And because we are sheep, we, we need a shepherd. Because we are who we are, we need a savior. We need somebody to rescue us. We need somebody to help us because we are vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. And Jesus is so good that he laid his life down for the sheep, for the sheep who are easily lost, defenseless, stubborn, and filthy. That's the good news. That's what makes him the good shepherd. So what does the good shepherd do? I want to spend the rest of our time talking about what exactly he does. And we're going to take this, this right out of the 23rd Psalm. Many of you know this, this particular selection of scripture, or you've heard it before. And he begins, David's writing this, and he talks about the Lord. And the Lord is, is representative of Jesus. And he begins and says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the first thing that a shepherd does is that he guides, because that verse, in verse 3 it says, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. The good shepherd guides us in our lives because he's that good. If you have a big decision to make, if you've, you need guidance in your life, 
and you're not sure where to turn, let me challenge you to turn to him. The Bible says that when we acknowledge God in all of our ways, what does that mean? Like say, hey God, I've got this decision to make, and, uh, and that's it, I've acknowledged you. No, it means to say, hey, look, there's this path laid in front of me, and I need to know what to do. I need your guidance. Acknowledging that you have a will, and you have a perfect destiny for me, and I don't know what that looks like. I'm not smart enough to know. Will you guide me in this? And that he says, when we acknowledge him in all our ways, that he will direct our paths. The good shepherd guides us. Jesus continued in John 10. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep recognize his voice. This is how they follow him. And it says, and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, which is so important, and he leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. So the good shepherd guides them because they know his voice. They're listening. They're keyed into it. They, say, that's, they can decipher between all the voices in their life, that's the one I need to listen to. That, that's the one that I need to listen to. And you say, so Aaron, all right, so you mean to tell me that God's supposed to talk to me audibly like you're talking to me now? Well, look, there's this thing. God is, is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. God can do anything he wants to, and that's part of his sovereignty. I would never remove that from God and say that God's not going to speak to you audibly, because he might. But more often than not, God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through our relationships. He speaks to us through people. He speaks to us through our circumstances, and he speaks to us through nature. Man, if you ever go out in the middle of the woods and you just kind of take a look around and you see this whole ecosystem that is happening without anybody lording over it, without any human, human being interfering with it, the trees grow, the grass grows, everything gets what it needs, man, that can speak to you. God can speak to you about his power and his authority in this world. Look at these things. They're growing. They don't even have to work. I just take care of them. Those things can speak to you if you will listen to them. You say, well, I, I'm not sure that I recognize God's voice in my life. I'm not even sure in all those things that I would know it was him talking to me. Well, there's, there's two reasons for that. I'll, I'll kind of explain them in, a, in, a, in a, an example here. If you were to walk into a room full of 50 women and all of them were talking all at once, because, guys, women can do that if you didn't know that. All 50 of them can all be talking at the same time, and everybody's cool with that because all the women are all just interconnected, you know what I'm saying? And they're wired in a different way than we are. If you walked into a room full of 50 guys, it would be silent because we're all watching the game. You know what I'm saying? But I digress. Walk into a room full of 50 women where my wife is among them, and they're all talking. If you were blindfolded, would you be able to identify which one was my wife? If the answer is no, there's two reasons why you couldn't identify her. First is because you don't know her. You, you don't know her. You, you wouldn't even know who she was to look at her. And the second reason you wouldn't be able to identify my wife's voice among all the other women's is because you've not spent any time with her. You, you've not spent any time with her. So if you're here today and you would say, Aaron, I don't know the voice of the good shepherd in my life, it's because you don't know him or you've not spent any time with him. But the good shepherd, he leads us because we know his voice. But he also leads us because he calls us by name. That's powerful. If you're here today and you don't know the good shepherd, if you don't know his name and it's Jesus, if you don't know who he is, he knows who you are. He knows your name and he calls you by name to follow him. 
This is a beautiful thing. Do you know what the most powerful thing or the sweetest thing to somebody's ears is? Their own name. This is part of the reason why we wear name tags around here. It, it eliminates barriers. When somebody speaks to you by your name or calls you by your name, you're paying attention, don't you? You're immediately, something that you weren't keyed into before. You can, I, ever, anybody ever had this happen before? You can be talking to somebody or engaged intently in something and you hear somebody say your name. And instantly you are broken away from what you are doing. Your focus changes and you shift. I heard my name. They might have been talking to another Aaron, but I heard Aaron, so I'm sorry, sorry, I heard my name. We're keyed in on that. It's a powerful thing, knowing somebody's name. Breaks through barriers in our hearts and our lives and our minds and our focus. Now I'm getting ready to tell you something about me that may be more confessional than anything. And you may think by the end of this little story that I'm a jerk, or you may be one of my biggest fans and think I'm hilarious. But either way, I'm going to tell you what I've done. Years ago, my wife and I were in Walmart, and we walked up, we were walking through the checkout line, and I saw this girl that when my brother was in first grade, it was his girlfriend, right, you know, my little brother. And her name was Heather. And I saw her, and she looked exactly the same. And I got this thing, like I remember people's names and faces. It's freaky weird. It's stupid. I walk up to people years, and I don't look the same as I did years ago when I was a little kid. I, I don't look the same at all. My, I, I don't know how I went through a weird transformation. But people don't recognize me if they knew me as a little boy. She didn't recognize me, and I could tell because she, she kind of looked my way, and there was no recognition, and I decided I was going to have some fun. Now, she hadn't seen me, goodness, in years, like, you know, Third, fourth, and fifth grade was a long time ago, right? Because she was my younger brother's girlfriend. So I walked up to her, and I, and some of you know this, I'm a, I'm a magician, like it's my hobby, is magic tricks and things like that, you know, card sleight of hand and things. And so I kind of dabble in these kind of presentations of sorts. So I walked up to her and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. I don't know you, but I've got this feeling. Is your name Heather? Yes. Yes, it is. And I began to tell her things about her past. I said, I'm sorry, I've just got these feelings inside. And as I share more details of her life with her, for whatever reason, Heather is, begins to tremble and her eyes get moist. Like I'm about to like tell her her future. I'm a total creeper. She's watching me intently and gazing. Her boyfriend's over her shoulder like, who is this dude? Or husband, I'm not sure who he was. And then I let her off the hook because I could tell she was totally buying into what I was selling. And I, were, I really didn't want her to think that she had some kind of silly psychic experience. And I explained who I was. And you could see the defeat in her eyes. But she was willing to go down that path with me because I knew her name. The good news today is that God knows your name. He knows your story. You can let those defenses down. You can let his love into your life because he knows all that about you because he loves you. He's not some creeper in Walmart like I am. He is looking to be the good shepherd in your life and guide you. To guide you through your decisions, to guide you through your life. You know, maybe you're facing like, do we have more kids? Do I take this job? Do I move here? Do I stay in this dating relationship? Do I join this church? 
Do I go with Jeff in his church and support the new work that God's got going on in Pickerington? I don't know. Seek his guidance. Seek his guidance. Ask him, and he promises you. He promises me that if you'll just acknowledge me, if you'll just ask me, I'll guide you, I'll show you. That's his job is to lead, and it's our job to follow. Second thing the shepherd does is that he provides. The 23rd Psalm says, begins this way, actually. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Man, that's good news. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. All of these are things that we need. These are our needs, and he provides for each and every single one of them. The part that says he makes me lie down in green pastures, this is, this is the need every single one of us has in our lives. You say, Aaron, I'm, I'm not really about laying down in green grass. I'd, I'll take my bed, thank you very much. But he's speaking to us in terminology of sheep. Because see, here's what you need to know about a sheep, is that they will not lay down unless three particular needs are met in their life. They need, if they're hungry, they will not lay down. If there's tension among the flock, they will not lay down. They will not enter into the rest that they need because there's tension among the flock. And... He's the, the third thing he says is that if they are afraid, if they're scared, they will not lay down. You say, Aaron, you've got a ridiculous amount of knowledge about sheep. <laughs> I had no idea they were so complicated and stupid at the same time. But unless those needs are met, think about what that means in your life. Unless you are full. Unless those needs are met in your life. Unless you are full because you've spent time in the presence of of the shepherd. You will not enter into rest. Unless the fear that is in your life subsides, unless you have his peace because you know that he's with you, because you're in the presence of the shepherd, you won't enter into that rest that he has for you. That's his best for you. And if your world is in turmoil, if your relationships are broken, if you're constant fighting, if your home is tense, you won't enter into that rest. He provides the way to experience all of these things, to experience his presence, to experience his peace in your home and in your relationships, and to be able to face those things that make you afraid so that you have peace through them. This is what the good shepherd gives us. He provides these things for us. The verse continues and says, he leads me beside quiet waters. Why does that matter? Now, we're not talking about stagnant water that's not moving. We're talking about a babbling brook. He leads us alongside a babbling brook, something that is gentle. Because we all need water. We need those things that sustain us. And Jesus said, I am the living water. Drink of me, and you'll never be thirsty again. But he leads me beside those still waters, not the rushing waters. You know why? Because as a sheep, if you get involved in the rushing water, do you know what happens? Anybody here ever swam with a T-shirt on? As soon as that thing gets wet, what happens? It's holding all that water and sticking to you, and you feel weighted down. Imagine a sheep full of all that wool getting in the middle of rushing water. The weight from the water that they are now holding on their body weighs them down and drags them into the water, and down the stream they go and they drown. The good shepherd leads them beside still waters. He knows what they can handle and what they cannot, and he knows what we can handle and what we can't handle. It continues and says, he refreshes my soul. Look, he provides for more than just our physical needs and our relationships. He provides for our souls. The Bible says that when we're going through things, he says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything that you're facing. Instead, just pray and thank me. And when you do that, my peace, 
that passes all understanding is yours. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ. What are you saying, Aaron? I'm saying that whatever it is that you're facing, when we pray about things, God responds two ways. He either removes you from that situation or he goes through that situation with you. Either way, he is faithful. He is faithful to us. He provides that peace because of his presence. When all hell is breaking loose in your life, you can experience his peace. He provides. The next thing he do, the third, third thing he, next thing he do. <laughs> next thing he does, is he corrects. Some of you are not excited about this, especially if you are the sheep that wanders away often. If you're wandering, maybe, maybe you're still walking with him a bit, but you're wandering in your attitudes, you're wandering in the way that you're living your life, or maybe the way you're running your relationships or your finances. But we wander. And when we wander, he corrects us. Because he loves you enough to do that. He knows that when you are going to be in danger, and he will correct you to bring you back. Job knew this, and in chapter 5 of the book of Job, he said, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but he, his hands also heal. This is a strange description of the good shepherd. You're like, Aaron, so wait. He's going to wound, but he's also going to bind up. Why would he wound in the first place? Well, here's what you need to know about shepherds, is that if a little lamb continued to wander away, the shepherd would recognize a pattern of behavior in their life that was destructive for the little lamb. And so he would take that rod and he would crack that lamb on the leg and break its leg. You see, how cruel is that? Well, the lamb could live the rest of its life in safety and protection of the shepherd, or it could wander away and become prey or die because it falls off of a cliff because sheep are stupid. And so he cracks the leg, and then what he does is he binds up the leg at that point, which is now broken, and he puts that lamb on his shoulders and he carries it. And as he carries it and that lamb grows and heals, the lamb becomes familiar with the shepherd's voice. He begins to trust it. It becomes what he knows because he's so close to the shepherd. Spends time with him. And as that lamb grows, he grows in his trust. He won't leave the flock. He won't leave the shepherd again because the shepherd corrects because of his love. So that lamb learns to trust that voice and to stay close. To this day, if you were to ask my children, why does your father correct you? Their response will be because you love me. They know that the reason I correct them is because I love them. It's the same with God. Now, some of you are pushing back on that because discipline in your life, the way that it was given to you was abusive. It was because they were angry with you, irritated by you. Maybe you've got a boss who disciplines in an inappropriate way and uses his power and authority to make you feel small, verbally or mentally, somehow you have experienced discipline as abuse. And so you push back on that and say, no, correction's not for me, thank you. I don't want any of that. So you'll remove yourself from proper discipline. You'll remove yourself from correction because you don't realize what proper correction done with a heart of love can produce in your life. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And look, God's not asking you to celebrate. Thank you so much for disciplining me. Can I have another, please? 
My kids, when I put them on grounding from their from the TV or from an iPhone, do not also say, hey, can you please take my video games from me as well? That would really do me some good. They don't, they don't celebrate that. God's not asking us to celebrate it, but he's saying, look, there's a, there's a harvest. There, there is peace that comes from it. There is righteousness, right living. That comes from correction if you allow me to correct you. God loves us so much, he corrects us to keep us from harm. So the good shepherd guides, he provides, and he corrects, and he also protects. The psalm continues in in verse 4 of the 23rd. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You ever face something difficult? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a choice that you have to make. And in the face of that, you are afraid. You're fearful for the outcome of it. You're afraid of how the people are going to respond to it. You're afraid of the result of what your decision that you know is right is going to bring. But the presence of a friend through that situation, doesn't that make all the difference in the world? Somebody just to sit with you, even if they don't have the right answers, to sit in the dirt with you, to love you through that, changes everything. And David's saying, even though I walk through the darkest situation that I have ever faced, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Because you, the good shepherd, the one that guides, the one that loves me, that protects or that provides for me and corrects me, I know that you're with me. You'll protect me. Why would you do all those things just to surrender me to the darkness? And the good shepherd does these things. His peace is with you. The verse continues and said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why? Because the rod would not only protect by fending off the animals that would seek to devour them, but the rod would also rescue them. Most shepherd's rod had some kind of hook to them so that when a lamb got themselves lodged in a place or if they fell somewhere that was out of reach of the shepherd, that he could use that to pull them back to himself. He would protect them in this way from enemies and from themselves. And then he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Why is that important? Because a sheep, they stink because they're filthy. What is attracted to filth? Flies. And what do flies do? Man, they have a party. They invite a whole bunch of other flies, they get down and they grub on some of that and then they lay eggs. So a fly would come and land on a sheep and sometimes they'd go up the nose and they'd lay their eggs. And then the little larva would would hatch from the eggs. And if you've ever seen fly larvae, maybe you come out to a dumpster or a trash can, what are they doing? That's the fly larva. Put one of those in your nose and tell me how you feel. Not only are you gonna be disgusted, but that thing is just going to make you wanna itch. And sheep don't have thumbs or fingers. Right? They lay those eggs and the larva would hatch. And sometimes, most of the time, they go south out of the nose. But oftentimes, they'd go north, further up the nostril. And the sheep, having no ability to relieve himself, would bang its head on a rock and injure itself and even sometimes kill itself. Why? Because sheep are stupid. And the oil that the shepherd anoints your head with is like like a, a... insect repellent. It was a fragrance that the flies would not come to. 
That's how good the shepherd is. He says, hey, those things that drive you nuts, those things that you are banging your head against the wall over, I'm gonna deliver you from those things. If you've ever been in addiction or depression, or you have faced relational pain or wounds in your heart from someone in your life, maybe decisions you've made or others have made against you, getting out of those things, it's like banging your head against the wall. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to keep you from those things. I'm going to get you out of those things. It's how good he is. And then it says, my cup overflows. You say, this, is this provision? No. You know what this is talking about? An old Palestinian tradition that when you are a guest in someone's home, as long as they continue to fill your cup, you are welcome to stay. But as soon as the host let your cup run dry, it was time to go. Some of you know somebody that they don't ever get the hint, right? You could be at your house, and it could be really late, you change in your pajamas, and you're like, really tired, gotta get up early in the morning, but they're not getting the hint. Some of us wish that we still had this cup rule, right? Hey, your cup's empty, so uh, it's time to go. But David said, my cup overflows. What does that mean? I am continually welcome into the presence of the good shepherd. I'm always welcome here. I don't have to worry about whether I need to leave or whether he's tired of me. He never tires of me. He protects that relationship by always filling our cups. David wraps up the 23rd Psalm and he says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is he saying? He's not saying that he's not going to experience bad things. You're going to experience difficult things in your life. He says, but surely you'll be with me through all those things. It also means that as far as I could walk away from him, for as long as I could walk away from him, his love will follow you. Some of you have been walking far from God in your own ways for a long time. And you've walked far away from his ways. It doesn't matter how far or how long you've been walking that way, his love is right behind you. Waiting for you to turn to him and accept him and receive what he has for you. His love is pursuing you. The Bible describes the kind of good shepherd that he is by saying, saying this. In Luke 15, he says, suppose one of you has 100 sheep. This is Jesus talking. He says, and, and you lose one of them. Don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, you joyfully put it on your shoulder and then you go home. This is who Jesus is. He has 100 sheep and one walks off. He will walk away from the, the 99 to find the one. Now, you and I, we lose one and we go, I got 99 problems, but that sheep ain't one, you know? But we have a good shepherd that says, that's my problem, that's my sheep. He's looking for the one. He's looking for the one. And today, if you're like, Aaron, you know what? I think today I'm, I'm here and I'm the one. I think, I think he's talking to me. Guess what? He is. You are the one. You're the one. His love is pursuing you and has pursued you and will never stop pursuing you. Even if you walk away from his call to return to him or turn to him today, even if you walk away from it today, his love will follow you out the door. Because he says, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. 
It was a drama professor who was teaching drama to his students, and he decided to use the 23rd Psalm as his example. And the professor stood up in the front, and he decided to use a Sean Connery voice because that's what I've decided to use in this story. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. And when he was finished, the students stood to their, their feet and said, oh, that was just great. That was just great. Prof, you did a great job. So the professor calls on one of the students to come up and share the monologue. And the boy walks up front, and he's a Christ follower. And he begins to think on what he's going to do. And he remembers God's grace and his love in his life. And as he begins to recite the 23rd Psalm, he begins to tremble. And he begins to cry as he shares and when he was finished, students stood and applauded, weeping and joining him in his emotion. And the professor said, there's a difference here. See, I know the 23rd Psalm, but he knows the shepherd of the Psalm. He knows the shepherd. Today you can know the shepherd. Today you can know his goodness. Today you can know his provision for you. Today you can know his protection. You can know his presence in your life. Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me pray for you first. Lord, I pray that your word would transform us today. God, make us into something that we couldn't be on our own. Reveal yourself to us as the good shepherd. I pray that you would be our guide in times when we need you, when, when we have decisions to make. I pray that we would recognize and receive your provision for us, whatever that looks like, God pray that we would come to know your protection for us. And I pray that we would not resist your correction. I pray that as we do, that we would find your rest, we would find your peace that comes from being in the presence of the Good Shepherd. Lord, help us to know your voice today. That we will follow after you all the days of our lives, just as your love is following after us and is pursuing us. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, I, I don't know the good shepherd, but I want to know him today. I've been wandering, I've been looking for satisfaction, and all I've found in this life is emptiness. I've, I've not found that which has fulfilled me. But let me tell you something, Jesus loves his sheep. He loves us even though we're filthy. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, the decisions you've made, good and bad, he's not concerned. If you call on your, his name today, you'll be saved. If you call on his name today, he'll forgive your sins, the things that you've done against him and against yourself and against your relationships. Your past will be reconciled. You'll be made new. So my question is today, would you say that I'm the one would you say, Aaron, today, I, I'm the one he's looking for. I'm the one he's calling out to. I hear his voice today, and I want to respond. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I want to know the good shepherd. I'm going to turn from my ways and call on him. If that's you and you're here today, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if you would like to be counted in on that prayer, would you let me know that's you? Would you just shoot your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you. Shoot your hand up now. Do it now. Do it now. Thank you. I'm going to pray this prayer. And all you need to do is join with me. You can say it out loud or you can say it in your heart, but either way you need to mean it. 
And if you're listening by podcast, right where you are right now, whether you're on a treadmill, whether you're driving your car or sitting at home making dinner, wherever you're at, you can join in this prayer too. And if you're watching by Periscope live right now is your moment. Say yes to Jesus. Join us and pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you came to this world, lived a perfect, sinless life. You surrendered yourself to be crucified on a cross and die only to raise again in three days so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be made brand new. Jesus, transform my life. Help me understand your way of doing things. Teach me to live for you and I'll do, I'll spend every day doing just that. I need you, Jesus. Amen.